0: Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving season? I know we're a couple of days beyond Thanksgiving. I know it's, it's behind us now, but, but we're in that week and we're in that time, and, and I wonder, what are you thankful for? It's so easy to get in the routine of our schedules. It's so easy to get in the structure of of what we do day in and day out and and forget to pause. I remember years ago what used to happen at Thanksgiving is you go around the table and and one by one you say, hey, what are you thankful for? And each person will respond what they're thankful for. But now we just say rub-a-dub-dub things for the grub and we jump into the food. And I wonder, what are you thankful for? this Thanksgiving season. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this, whatever happens, look at your neighbor this morning and say, whatever happens. Whatever happens, my dear brother and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. I love Paul's heart in this moment. He takes the time to remind the reader, the Church of Philippi, and ultimately us, he takes the time to remind us that regardless of whatever we face in life, it's vital that we take the time to be thankful in and through the situation then he quickly follows up by saying this i never get tired of telling you this why does he say that because he understands the importance of a true heart of thanksgiving you see this idea of thanksgiving this thursday in the month of november that we celebrate every year was never meant to be a date on the calendar especially for the believer but it's called to be a lifestyle that is played out on a listen carefully on a daily basis Let me say that again. This idea of Thanksgiving was never truly meant to be simply a date, a Thursday in the month of November, once a year that we gather together and celebrate. It was never meant to be a one-day moment, but it was called for us believers to be a lifestyle, a day-in and day-out activity. In fact, in chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul said, whatever happens, whatever you go through, you've got to learn this idea of Thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians, he said this, always be joyful, never stop praying be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus in this Simple three-verse section of scripture, Paul gives us the formula to a life of Thanksgiving. So how do we move beyond just going through the routine? How do we move beyond just going through the motions? How do we move beyond Thanksgiving being a date on the calendar and shifting it into a lifestyle activity? Paul gives us. solution he says always be joyful did you know that's a choice you get to choose how you will respond in life in this formula for a life of Thanksgiving the very first thing we see is we must choose to always be joyful not once a year not once a month, but always. Now just looking at the surface of this verse, if we're being honest with one another, this seems impossible. Because there are moments and times in life when we just don't feel like being thankful. Anybody ever have one of those moments? You just don't feel like being grateful. You're aggravated. You're disgusted, you're frustrated, you're hurt, whatever the case may be. And you're like, I don't wanna be thankful. Good news for us, Paul doesn't stop with this mandate. He could have just ended it right there and said, hey, always be joyful because this is God's will for you. He could have done that and that would have been appropriate because truly God's will for us is that we're always joyful. Does that mean we're always happy? No, 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 there's a difference. Happiness is based on happenstance. Happiness is based upon everything lining up just right and everything being perfect and everything being in alignment and nothing going bad. But but joy, our joy is based upon the goodness of Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, I don't find joy in myself. I don't find joy in the situations around me. I find my joy in and through a life with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul moves on beyond this mandate to give us the key ingredient, the secret ingredient. Now, some of you on Thursday, mama may have a recipe that none of you know the secret ingredients. Anybody else have a mama like that? I mean, there's something special they put in there. My wife's grandma made chocolate chip cookies, and they were incredible chocolate chip cookies. Now, truth be told, we thought it was just a Toll House recipe, but they were really, really, really good, and and come to find out, she would add, I believe it's extra vanilla. Oh, I just told you the secret. Don't tell anybody. That's a secret ingredient, and it was really funny. We hadn't really talked about that, but a few years ago, my daughter started making cookies, and I'm like, man, these are really good chocolate chip cookies. And she said, well, I put something special in them. At first, I was a little nervous. (laughs) But then I realized her secret ingredient was the same secret ingredient that Grandma Bessie put in the cookies. A little extra vanilla. That secret ingredient makes all difference and here Paul says if you want to learn this lifestyle of joy if you want to know how you are joyful always the key ingredient is to move on to verse 17 never stop praying always be joyful and never stop praying now, this does not mean that you're always mumbling some sort of prayer, that you walk through the streets and you're walking around Walmart and you're, and you're praying every step you take and, and every word you say is, is, is a prayer and every once in a while you'll kind of interrupt that just to say hi to somebody and then you're right back to a prayer. That's not what he's talking about here. The word here or the phrase never stop praying literally means constantly reoccurring, not continuously occurring. let me back up let me explain that it means to constantly be reoccurring not continuously occurring in other words and I'm going to date myself here you're keeping the phone off the hook the younger generation is like I don't even know what that means my phone doesn't have a hook go old school with me We got that phone that was on the wall. Come on, how many of you had the phone on the wall with the really long cord that would reach to the back of the house? Because you only had one phone. (laughs) See, midway through my growing up years, we got really fancy. And I don't know why we chose this, the second location for the phone. We had the phone in the kitchen that reached everywhere. But for some reason, we chose to put a phone in the bathroom. (laughs) Not sure why that was the second choice. But we did that. So we had another phone, not quite a long of a cord, because I guess you don't, well, anyway. You just don't need a long cord there. But you keep that phone off the hook. I remember to put somebody on hold, what did you do? You didn't have a hold button that muted the audio. No, you would just put the phone down. It would be off the hook. You're still connected. They can still hear you. They still know what's going on. You're still in a conversation, but now you have a sideline conversation while you're figuring this out, but you're still off the hook over here. See, that's what God wants from us. We pick up that phone, we dial in heaven, we have that conversation, but we leave that phone off the hook that every conversation that we have, every step we take, in any moment, we can pick that phone up and we can continue where we left off, But we, because we chose to leave the phone off the hook. Prayer is the key that opens the heart of God. If you want to figure out how to really tap in to the heart of God, understand this. Prayer is the key. Prayer is that secret ingredient that opens up that door, that that, that makes a way where it seems impossible, that opens up that avenue that you never imagined would be opened up. Suddenly, you get the attention of God. Why? Because you've left the phone off the hook. Prayer helps us to move from the room of negativity into the room of praise and thanksgiving. You see, it's real easy to get negative in life, right? But if you've got that phone off that hook, I remember at times when I was a kid and somebody would have that phone off the hook and they would forget about me. So what do you start doing? You pull your phone as close to your face as possible, you cup that microphone area, and you're going, hello, I'm still here, right? Go yeah. on, anybody else ever do that? Like three of us in the room? The rest of you were never forgot about, weren't you, were you? You guys are privileged. I mean, we were forgot about, we were on the other end of that line, and nobody was there, it was like cricket, cricket, we're yelling. I think there's some times that that God's trying to get our attention, and he's at the other end of the phone going, I'm still here, and he wants us to move from this area of complaining and frustration into this room of praise and thanksgiving. We'll talk more about this in a moment. The third formula, we have always be joyful, never stop praying. And then he says in verse 18, he says, pursue a heart of thanksgiving. Literally, he says, be thankful in all circumstance. Now, notice he says in. He doesn't say because of. He doesn't say man when you're going through that difficulty when you get that that call with the bad news when the money's just not there you're not thankful because you have the problem i get to be thankful in the midst of the problem why because god's right there I've still got him on the law and I can still communicate at any moment. I have this conversation that keeps going and going and it's right there. And at any moment, I can call out to him and I know that every step I take, because that's a really long cord, that he's right there with me. I would challenge you today stop trying to do it by yourself. Paul says, I never get tired of telling you these things. So why not, why not this Thanksgiving season, why not choose to move away from the negativity, to to rid yourself, your life of the criticism and complaints and move into the realm of Thanksgiving? I wanna take a moment this morning, I wanna look at a story In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17, in fact, we see 10 guys. Let me set the stage for you. There are 10 men that have been deemed unclean by society. They were considered outcasts. They were shunned by the whole community. Why? Because they had leprosy. Now, leprosy was a really big deal. It was an infection that could lead to damage of the nerves, of the respiratory tract, of the skin, even of the eyes. It could, in fact, result in the loss of an arm or even a leg, and it was able to be passed on from person to person. So those with leprosy, as I stated a few moments ago, were considered outcast or unclean by society so in luke chapter 10 we see these 10 guys jesus has come into town and they're standing at a distance and they begin to cry out to jesus have mercy on us take a look luke chapter 17 beginning verse 11. it says as jesus continued toward jerusalem he reached the border between galilee and samaria As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In desperation, they called out. He looked at them and said, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of the leprosy. Now, look at that. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, how many? How many? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Today, for the next few moments, I want to look at three observations in thankfulness. Three things that in this section of scripture, a few verses here, the life of these 10 lepers that we can grab a hold of in this walk or pursuits of a life of thanksgiving. Number one is this, it is vital that you call out to Jesus. It's vital that you call out to Jesus. Why did I say that it's vital? Well, for these 10 lepers, Nothing would have changed in their life if they had not done something different than they had done before, right? I mean, if they would have just stayed in their own little area, outcast area, where nobody wanted, they could have sat in the corner and said, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I think that I'll just eat worms. They could have sat in the pity party corner over there by themselves soaked in their misery But they chose that day to do something different. They had heard about this man by the name of Jesus. They believed that he alone held the ability to heal them of what separated them from the rest of society, that which had deemed them unclean. They believed in their heart that if they could just approach Jesus, if they could just get it within ear's reach of Jesus, if they could just get that phone off the hook with Jesus and have a conversation, they believed that Jesus could heal them. So they had a choice to make, much like us today. We have a choice. Will we choose to always be joyful? Or will we choose to sulk in the misery that surrounds us? Will we soak in that which has separated us from those around us? We have a choice to make. Do we stay the same or do we pursue a change? No doubt there was a conversation between these 10 lepers. The moment that they heard that Jesus was coming to town, maybe one of them branded the other and said, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this, but you know that man named Jesus that's been going around healing people? He's coming our direction. No doubt they had a conversation. Do we even try to jump in? Do we even try to approach him? Everyone else is shunning us. Everyone else is pushing us away. But if we can just get to Jesus, You see, it's vital that you call out to him. I believe that we are each faced with the same question on a regular basis. Do I stay where I am or do I approach the change? How are you going to do that this morning? How are you going to respond? Verse 12 and 13 says, as Jesus entered. A village there ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out Jesus master have mercy on us unfortunately too often I hear Christians upset because they're not seeing a resolution to their situation I'll have people come to me and they'll say well pastor I've prayed and nothing's changing I don't see any change going on. It's the same thing over and over again. And my response is often the same. Well, what are you doing? What steps are you taking? You see, these lepers had to get out of their misery moment and into the place of crying out to Jesus. Yes, I believe that prayer is the key. But I believe sometimes we've got to put action to our prayers. We got to put feet to our prayers. We got to call out, get a little loud. It's Pastor Mark Batterson, and I've shared this numerous times, that once said this We must pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on us. We call out to God, Jesus. Have mercy on me. Jesus, step into my situation. Jesus, hear my heart's cry. Jesus, see me where I am. I'm here to tell you, he hears you in that moment. He sees you in the midst of your need, but he's asking you, would you just take a step of faith? Because what did he ask these guys to do? Get up and go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says that the moment they turned around, they were changed why because they put action to the prayers see for us it's so difficult to be grateful in all situations when we try to tackle it by ourselves when we attempt to resolve it on our own again imagine with me the ten lepers over here in their pit of misery They're trying to resolve it by themselves without getting really gross. Perhaps they were scraping. Perhaps they were trying to rid themselves to remove the leprosy. Perhaps if I could just scrape it off, it'll get better. But they realized they had to put action and move toward Jesus. Maybe this was their one last-ditch effort. If this doesn't change, then nothing will. Maybe you're here today and you're giving Jesus one more chance. I want you to know today that Jesus sees you where you are. He hears your heart's cry. And I challenge you, don't stay in your little pit of misery, in your area of frustration but begin to approach the throne room of God. Get Jesus on the line. Leave that phone off the hook so that conversation is right there at any moment and any time. Because it's vital that you call out to Jesus. Number two, sometimes you must leave the crowd. Look at this, this group of lepers was not your likely crowd. They weren't a group of people that would typically hang out together. They had virtually nothing in common except for the fact that they all had leprosy. Truth be told, some were Jews, some were Samaritans. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans did not associate with one another. They were two completely different groups of people. Here's what I've discovered. Misery loves company, right? So in the midst of the misery, what did they do? They found other people that were in misery and they joined together with them. Have you ever noticed that that's how it works? You got one person complaining, or maybe you have a complaint, and somebody's really not patting you on the back and handing you bonbons like you want, so what do you do? You try to find somebody that's going to wrap their arms around you and go, oh, it's going to be okay. I agree with you. They're big, bag, and mean. Right? That's what we want. We want somebody just to sulk with us. We want somebody to hang out in misery, because misery loves company and these guys all found themselves gathering together living in ministry they were all outcasts nobody wanted them around they began to feel comfort in the wrong crowd have you been there before you know it's not the right group but for some reason or another you find yourself hanging out with misery But Jesus told this 10, this group of 10 guys, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Instantly, they turned around, they began to go, but one man, one guy, one of the lepers, a Samaritan, left the group. He separated himself to come to the place of displaying this heart of gratitude, or thanksgiving, to Jesus, Verse 15 and 16, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! Then he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for all that he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Now, I'm sure that when they all noticed that they were healed, conversation probably went something like this. Well, shouldn't we go back and thank Jesus? Yet, I've discovered it's easy to fall into this trap of entitlement. Come on. We live in a culture right now that is very entitled. Or at least they feel that way. That's kind of where nine of these guys were. Maybe they responded by saying this, no, we deserve this. We've gotten the shaft long enough. Everybody's been against us. This is our moment. We are owed this. Or perhaps there were the naysayers that told the one Samaritan to forget about Jesus. Let's just go back to the priest so we can get back to our normal lives. Yet this one Samaritan chose to step away from the crowd, to remove himself from his once chosen environment and pursue this heart of thanksgiving. The Bible says he began to shout to Jesus, praise God. He ran and knelt down before Jesus' feet with a heart of gratitude. And now we see our third observation. Jesus is ready to do more than expected every time. Jesus is ready to do more than expected. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, Jesus is ready to do more. Verse 19, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Pause for a moment. Wasn't he already healed with the other nine? Didn't they experience their healing the last time that they got up and went? Didn't they receive their healing the last time that they obeyed and went? What's different now? Let's go back to the beginning of the story. We've got 10 lepers crying out for mercy, They're looking for a healing in their physical body. They wanted to see the leprosy gone. And for all of them, that was accomplished the moment that they got up, turned to head to go to the priest. Huge miracle. No doubt a a life-changing miracle. The immediate obedience of all 10 lepers proved to be profitable. They all experienced a physical healing, yet something different happened. Now remember, Jesus is ready to do more than expected. Jesus looked at this one that came running and kneeling at his feet. He says, your faith has healed you. This healing was more than, than leprosy being removed. The word he, healed here literally means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction. See, because this one, a leper or former leper, came back to display this heart of gratitude because he laid himself before the feet of Jesus. This one man experienced not just a physical healing, but a spiritual healing. The other men, they were deemed clean by the priest. But this one Samaritan, he was declared saved by the very Son of God. Why? Because Jesus saw a need, and he's always ready to do more than expected. So I wonder in your life today, are you ready, are you willing to put all your trust in Jesus? even when it doesn't make sense, even when it goes against the crowd. Because I believe it's time for the church, for we, the people of God, to say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I I give myself to you. Lord, I surrender. Would you pray with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.